Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan! For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, this is one of those difficult passages in the Bible. We have Jesus with his disciples, and he just called Peter Satan. Can you believe that? Jesus looked at one of his closest friends, perhaps his best friend, and said, get behind me, Satan. Your mind isn't on godly things. Your mind is on worldly things. You're you're consumed by yourself. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about your own protection, your own well-being. Okay, so what's going on here? Why are Peter and Jesus arguing? You see, Jesus has just told the disciples that they're going to go to Jerusalem. And while in Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be humiliated. And he's going to be crucified, killed on a cross. And Peter, I think like you or me, rebukes Jesus. Is this our only option? This is the only way out is is through crucifixion? Through, through dying? Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you God's anointed one who was sent here to, to, to raise us up, to, to create a new way of life, to, to create hope and opportunity for all people? Isn't that why you're here? How is your death going to result in this new life? How will that happen? You see, I think we're a lot like Peter. We're a lot like the disciples. We want to see change happen in our world. We want to see love and life win for all people. But we also want to see it done easily, without much sacrifice, without much work on our part. But Jesus is saying, look, the path to new life, the path to resurrection must go through the cross. It must go through death. It's a necessary death. There is no way to get to this resurrected new life without dying. And Jesus is inviting his disciples 
And he's inviting you and me into this same path, into this same process. He's inviting us to be like him. Did you ever think you could be like Jesus? As I was raised, I, I was taught that Jesus was some superhuman. He was way better than us. He could do far more than we could do. Because think about it, he fed multitudes of people. Can we feed multitudes of people? Actually, <laughs> we can, and we do. We feed multitudes of people every Thanksgiving through our Thanksgiving basket ministry. We feed multitudes of people in Haiti, the hungriest people, people who are starving, people who have children who only eat maybe three days a week. Through our ministries, we're able to feed those children and their families. But wait a minute, Jesus healed people too. Can we heal people? You bet we can heal people. I've had countless experiences in, in my life, personally and through ministry, where I've gotten to participate in the healing of other people, medically, emotionally, spiritually. Of course, we have the capacity to heal. Well, but wait, Jesus raised the dead. Remember the story with Lazarus? He, he brought him back. We can't raise the dead, or can we? Do you know anybody who is physically alive, but... Really, they're dead. They lack hope. They lack direction. They lack identity in who they are. They don't know that they're children of God. And we get to walk alongside these folks. We get to love them and be patient with them and, and, and offer them grace and compassion and let them know who they are as God's children, that their lives matter, that they're valuable and important and that there's nothing they can do to separate themselves from God. We can be like Christ. But here's the thing. Jesus fully understands, and he's trying to, to help us to understand, trying to help Peter to understand the only way that we can be like Jesus, the only way that we can participate in God's activity of, of restoration, of rejuvenation, of transformation in our world, is if we're willing to die to ourselves. Doesn't mean a physical death for me today, but it means a death to my ego, a death to my pride, a death to my will, a death to, to my wants. You see, the minute I put myself first, then I don't have this, the, the time for God's mission. The minute I put myself first, I don't have enough money to help with God's mission. The minute I put myself first, I, I'm really a little bit afraid of the pain that I might experience by putting God first in my life. Jesus understood that. He said, you've got to trust God. If you're going to be my follower, if you're going to participate in God's restorative work in our world, you have to trust that love and life win. You have to trust God. And so what Jesus did is he went to Jerusalem and he was arrested and he was beaten and he was humiliated. And from the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And what he meant in that phrase is the, these precious human beings that you've created, these precious people that are your children, they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're capable of. They don't know that they have the capacity to feed and to heal and to raise up, they don't get it because their universe exists right here. 
Their universe is just so small. And, and they're afraid of pain. They don't like to hurt. They're, they're afraid to die because they don't fully trust that you'll hold them even in death. And so forgive them, Lord. They don't get it. They, they, they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're doing. But Jesus did. And he trusted his father. And he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He handed himself over to his father. And on the third day, that big old rock, that big old tomb that was in a place like this, that stone was moved. And Jesus was raised to new life. And he breathed his spirit into Peter and into the other disciples. And through baptism, that same spirit gets breathed into us. And Jesus says, as a father has sent me, so now I send you. All that stuff you saw me do, you can do it. All, all of that love and, and grace and compassion that I brought into the world, that's in you too. But the only way forward, the only way that you can participate in God's restorative resurrection activity in this world is if you're willing to die to yourself. You take up your cross. You are willing to hurt. You're willing to be in pain. You're willing to make sacrifices. You're willing to feel the anguish and the pain and the hurt and the oppression of others. You're willing to put yourself in those places of oppression and violence and speak for peace and speak for love and speak for hope, knowing that it may cost you your life. You see, we see ourselves and we think that our own lives are the whole of the universe. It's not. Each of our lives matter. Each of us is important to God, no question. But God sees more than just each of us. God sees back into the whole uh, history of humanity. God sees forward into, into where uh, the future of humanity is. And God looks at the whole of the world. And guess what, folks? <laughs> we have pain, there's no question. But we're at the top of the food chain when it comes to human lives. We have warm homes to sleep in. We have food to eat. Our kids have access to education. We have access to medical care when we need it, while many in our world have none of that. And Jesus is looking at us saying, you're my heart, you're my hands, you're my feet. I have filled you with the Holy Spirit so that you can use your gifts and abilities now. Just as I, Jesus, used mine 2,000 years ago, it's your turn. This is your time in history. And you're going to share the same story about me that you heard from others. You're going to share that with your children and with your grandchildren. And they're going to continue this story forward so that we are Christ. But are we willing to take up our cross? Are we willing to die to ourselves so that God can raise us up and use us in ways that we could never predict or even comprehend? God's vision for our lives is so much grander than our own. But God's vision doesn't involve us becoming rich and famous and powerful for ourselves. God's vision 
It's about us laying ourselves down so that all people may experience real life. Jesus is issuing each of us a challenge today. Do you trust me? Do you love me? Do you trust God? Do you love God? Do you truly believe that death doesn't have the last word? Do you truly believe that the suffering and pain of this world doesn't have the last word? Do you truly believe that love and life win? Because I need you, God is saying to us, to be the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus. We have to embrace a necessary death every single day. A death to ego, a death to pride, a death to ourselves, so that we can fully be the children of God we're created to be, so that we and all the world may experience real life in Jesus' name. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.